Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Hey, welcome to Truth, Lies, Shenanigans podcast, social commentary, hot topics, amazing guests with a ton of fun and shenanigans along the way. This week's podcast, it's Black History Month. We're celebrating black excellence. And our guest today is the founder of the Black Voices Project, Dr. Rochelle Thompson. She'll share with us her amazing personal story, tell us about her nonprofit, and we'll ask her how she feels about the growing amount of youth crime in her community and mine, the Washington, D.C. area. Also, we have a few hot topics to discuss. We're talking about that Chinese balloon that was floating around the U.S. Then DeSantis' Florida Uh-oh. wants to track teen girls' menstrual cycle. And we'll find out what China's social credit system is all about. Before we get into the podcast, let me introduce you to my co-host. First up, college student model, business owner, streaming from Atlanta, Georgia, Miss Gianni Storm. Hey guys, I hope you have had a great, great week. Um, this week went by very fast. I don't know about you, but my week went by so fast. February. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when are you going to Kentucky? Next Sunday. Oh, amazing. Good for you. Um, this will be the first time that I have seen family in years. So I'm really, really excited about that. All right. Next up, we have our nature lover, gamer, rock star coming to you from Ontario, Canada, Mr. Robbie Rock. What's up? What's up, my friends? Man, it was a cold week up here. So temperatures dropped about the minus 40 Celsius range. And for those of you tuning in from the States, that's the same minus 40 Fahrenheit. Um, But luckily, that's past us now. So if you can believe this, the forecast is calling for rain on Tuesday. So are you actually going to get some rain rain for once? (laughs) (laughs) Man, yeah, we had I think we had some rain in December also. Yes. When I was building the snow fort, we absolutely had some rain. So does that uh, make it like firmer? Is that what it does? It like ices it up? Yeah, it definitely makes it denser and it definitely ices it up. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But uh, during the cold snap, I managed to get out one evening and do the Arctic Chill Challenge again this year. So this is where you toss boiling water into the Arctic chilled air. Wow. So, yeah, the energy exchange between the water and the air at those temperatures is really impressive. I did post one in the uh, YouTube shorts section of our YouTube page. So, yeah, check it out. TLSshow.com. Check it out on TLSshow.com. Nice. All right. And I am your host, Neo Nix. So I wanted to talk about, I started collecting comic books again. Uh, Sweet. Yeah, there's this new comic book store that opened near my house called Third Eye Comics in College Park. And I went in like a few days ago and I was like, I was like a kid in a candy store. I was like, what? It was like so much. Like I used to collect right. comics like years ago. Oh, so I, I are you collecting new stuff? Are you collecting old stuff? Are you buying individual right. issues? Or are you buying compendiums? I'm going, I think I'm going to start with new stuff. Okay. Like I said, I used to have some old stuff. I had like the first spawn, the death of Superman. I had the one where uh, Bane broke Batman's back and, and the one where Joker killed Robin. I mean, those are like classics. But then when classics, I went off to yeah. college, moved out of my house and, and then my family ended up moving we lost track of all those comic books and I have no idea where they are. I oh, mean, no. yeah. And they're like worth a lot. Mm-hmm. Now. I mean, especially with all the movies and stuff. Yeah. 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 But it's black history month. And so I started collecting these <gasps> titles with black characters. Ooh. Like there's this one, by image comics called flawed. That looks familiar. Yeah. So it's like, rising. yeah. So she's a, a psychiatrist by day. And then she's like a vigilante at night. Then you got like Eve, it's like what? a little girl with her AI teddy bear and she like saves the world after a virus or something. And then wow. this this one I'm excited about right here. Wow. Bloodline, the daughter, the daughter of Blade. Of Blade. 
Yes. Nice. So there's like there's like a lot of cool. awesome black titles Very out there. Nice. And then black Adam is actually black. Look at that. <laughs> what? <laughs> they made him Egyptian? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that, you're tapping into your inner creativity. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm excited now. I'm excited. I'm just like, I'm just, I'm going to do comic books again. So, yeah, right. dude, that's awesome. Yeah, awesome. I've never, I've never really stopped. Tell us how it goes. That's yeah. it. I just buy the collections. I buy the compendiums because it's there. Yeah, you don't have to buy a single issue, and I've got the entire story. That's what I like. I, yeah, I usually, yeah, I, I don't know. I used to do that. I would do that occasionally, but I don't know. I like, I like the individual issues, the collecting, the. Like this is four twelve, and then I yeah. have the other one over here. It looks so nice. It's like artwork. I know, it's right? Beautiful. Like oh it. yes, and that's what's impressive, Very Johnny. Nice. Is it, it? Comic books are totally underrated, but some of the biggest movies being generated out there are based off of the stories done in yeah. comic books, and the artists are consistent, yes. panel by panel by panel. Yeah, it's totally underrated as far as an artistic and creative yes, medium. Yes, that's true. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. All right, we got some Eartha comments online. Does anyone remember Eartha Kitt portrayed Catwoman in the Batman series? I actually remember that. I actually remember that. She was awesome too. Oh yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> remember. Yeah, she was she was she was probably my favorite Catwoman of all time. She did great. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get not in. Holly. What? Oh, did God, you just don't say, even talk about that. Oh my god. Don't even talk about that. Did you that. just say Halle Berry's Catwoman? Oh my God. Wait, hold on, hold on. Wait, next wait. next thing. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, ah, that's ah, the wrong ah, one. Ah, <laughs> I threw that's you funny. off. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but that no. I gotta gotta mute you, man. <laughs> Talk about some Halle Berry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's go ahead and get get into the show. All right. So it's Black History Month, and today our guest is Dr. Rochelle Thompson. She's a clinical psychologist and CEO of R.M. Thompson and Company, which she describes as a place that provides psychological safety. And she says her gift is in making complex psychological concepts accessible and actionable so that her clients achieve sustainable change. She's also a published author and speaker. She inspires over 15,000 people weekly through her blog and social media platforms. And she has some signature courses. On top of all of that, she is the president and founder of the Black Voice Project, a nonprofit where she nice. advocates for people in her community in the Washington, D.C. area. Mm-hmm. She's a proud mother yes. of four beautiful children. So please welcome Dr. Rochelle. Thompson, welcome, welcome to hey, the Dr. show. T. How are you? Hi. I just wanted to get in on the comic stuff. Like I was over here talking to myself, like I want to talk about <laughs> nerding out. <laughs> so you collect comics too? I I'm into the Marvel characters as of late, but mm-hmm. I just love myself. Oh yeah, so I just love like kind of getting into it, and then and I saw you holding up like the black characters, and I'm like, yes, yes, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, they're so. <laughs> I was actually surprised how many new black characters are they like they're really making a big deal about making black characters in, in the comics now, and so I'm like I'm just excited to collect them all. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> just to be there like pokemon collect <laughs> yeah. them all <laughs> collect them all <laughs> all right dr thompson you, you're you're actually a pretty googleable person so we have a question that we ask all of our guests so i don't know how you can answer this question because there's a lot out there about you but the first question i have for you is can you tell us something personal about you that we can't find on google yes this question right here my grandma <laughs> Um, Cece. My nickname is Cece. And so that happens to be my uh, my fake name that I give people that I don't really want them to know who I am. Cece, that's what you that's your fake name? (laughs) Really? (laughs) (laughs) So 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 dude comes up to him. Dude comes in a club, you don't want to talk to him. Hey, I'm Stacy. Exactly yeah. right. Give them that name. <laughs> I'm looking for Cece. Love Ooh. it. Oh, by the way, Mars <laughs> right. Lit eighty six is online. Says, "Hey, Doctor T." Hi. Oh, <laughs> All right. So this nice. spotlight that we're doing is all about Black excellence, and let me tell you, you are the epitome of Black excellence. 
a doctorate in psychology, yeah. author, public speaker, social media influencer, president, CEO. I mean, you've had an amazing career already. So what I wanted to know, tell us what sparks that drive in you to achieve. You know, where does it come from? Was it like something that started with you as a child or is it something that later in life kind of put you on this trajectory? Yeah. You know, as, as a kid, I just wanted to be the person I think right now today, I wanted to be the person that I needed when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of what mm-hmm. I do now is just trying to make sure that I'm a living example and offer resources to people to remind them that they're also a living example, that you have a choice. You sit at the seat of choice, that whatever it is that you want to do, you can do it. And so I have to be obviously a living, walking epitome of what that is. And so that's where a lot of my drive comes from. And then a good portion of it is there were a lot of people that told me that I couldn't do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, being a single mom at the age of seven. You know, single mom at 17. 17. Yeah. yeah. Yep. There was a lot of things that I was told that I couldn't do, that I wouldn't be able to do, that I wouldn't be able to go to college, that I wouldn't be able to finish school, that I would work a, you know, regular job, make a minimum wage, being on the system. And so I just didn't succumb Mm. to those lies, you know, that people told me. And and I'm just here now. So with your doctorate, I mean, you can't go to school. You you went beyond that. Yes, that's yeah, incredible dedication. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's important. It's important to not let people tell your story. And I was convinced that I wasn't going to let anybody tell mine. Yeah, I love it. So that. was that opposition, um, people trying to say things against you, was that kind of your motivating force? Or did you find other ways to grow, find other ways to motivate yourself? You know, I realized that that negative place was really a toxic place to want to be successful. Mm-hmm. And so I've learned now okay. how to find healthier places to operate okay. in success. So when I first grew up, I was like, yeah, no, I can do it. You know, I'm just using this as fuel. But as you like become older, you're like, this is not healthy. And like now the people around me are truly depending on me to win because that's how they're winning. You know, with my yes. nonprofit, the Black Project, this is actually, you know, a family affair. My brother, my cousin, my dad are all a part of this organization wanting to give back. And a lot of how, you know, I help them running with my payroll, you know, you got to help people eat, you know, is practice these things yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And so now it's from a much healthier place now that I yeah. just kind of let this ambition kind of thrive. And I want to show my kids, like, there's no rules. You create them, you know? And so it's really important. Yeah. My four kids looking at me and I leave them with some legacy. So with the Black Boys Project, I've got a couple of questions because it seems to be very integral operation. So how did it come to be? How did you get involved and what are the organization's long-term objectives? Yes. In my uh, Biggie Smalls voice, it was all a dream, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I love yeah, it. it literally started out as like a dream. Like, and uh, it really, it's super weird. I can't even explain it to you. It was like, I, I need to do this myself. Like I want my own nonprofit. Like I did a lot of work in the community and I would do a lot of different things, helping other nonprofits or helping other services. Right. And so I'm like, no, I can actually do this and actually pinpoint initiatives that are genuine to like my community. And so one of the initiatives that we have right now is the re-entering citizens program. So this is for individuals, kids, young adults, juveniles, if you will, and adults who go through the prison system, right? And then they come out and then they're trying to find a place to work and get back land on their feet. Mm -hmm. The reason why this was so important to me was because we oftentimes see on piece of paper or the news clippings, right? We see those little five minute blogs, right, of of what somebody's story is. But we never get to see the behind the scenes that led them up to this point. So some of this is prevention and getting into it. And we hear the same stories. You know, if we go back to 1980s, African-Americans, the BIPOC community, the same stories. Jobs was one, you know, housing was another, you know, food insecurity. It's constant, you know, and so now we're still in the same, almost very similar, the same space that we were in back then. So we have all of these resources. And so I just wanted to be a part of the change. And that's where the Black Boys Project came from. Like, I'm tired of hearing the same story. So 2021, 2022, 2023, this is our year. Um, And so a lot of my long-term goals for the organization is number one, 
making sure that the youth in the Washington, D.C. metro area have a place where they feel safe to talk about some of their challenges and issues, but also it's a combined effort with all of the programs that we offer in Washington, D.C. to make sure that we're sustainable in, in keeping our kids off of the streets and having to succumb to that lifestyle, right? And so right now, I would say roughly 32% of youth are generally getting arrested for larceny and theft. We know that there is a heightened now more than ever mental health issue of aggression. A lot of that had to do with COVID, right? But in general, when you see people who are living in areas that have not been paid attention to for such a long time, you see them increasingly get more aggressive or increasingly succumb to violence. That's just their choice, their only choice, because we're not exposed to those same opportunities. And so a lot about the Black Voice Project is about exposure, showing you that you can have different choices and and providing you with the resources to do so. I love that. So online we have uh, Mars Lit 86 says dope Dr. T. Von J is on YouTube saying black excellence. Wow. Uh, All right, so I mean, you brought up the youth. You brought up the youth, and you know, yeah, truth our shenanigans is all about social commentary. And I want to get your thoughts on a big story in the Washington area: the murder of Karan Blake. We talked about this out back when it first happened, but since you're so directly involved with the community, I'd like to know your thoughts: one on the allegations that Karan was stealing cars, and of course, the growing number of black youths in the area involved in those type of thefts and carjackings, you know, and then what do you think is behind that? Again, I think parenting is really important. Um, It's really Mm. important. And so, you know, this isn't to blame anyone directly, but we have got to be mindful that it is very stressful and very difficult as a single parent to raise children. From what I understand about the parent of Quran was that he was essentially involved of a single parent household, if you will, from what I've seen in the interviews. Um, and I can't imagine the struggle of balance of time and energy that the mom was trying to find with, you know, raising her, her family. And I don't want to speak too much on her personal life, but I can speak to say that it's very difficult personally. I know what it's like to be 17, 18 with a kid, a little boy and trying to balance with work trying to pay the bills, trying to put food on the table and and trying to deal with your own mental health, right? And healing and whatever it is that you had to go through. So I think having a community, like a support system is so important. So that's one avenue I think, you know, that we have to really pay attention to, you know, making sure that we have enough resources for parents. Mental health is woven in anything. So I'm super biased with mental health. Anything that I say is always going to kind of come down to to what that looks like. Right. And so I think that when we do not tackle the mental health part of everything that we do, whether it's work, yeah, the root of the issue, essentially we're just putting a bandaid on the problem, right? We're not really dealing with the symptom because it all starts our minds, you know? And so mental health is important, but everything we hear about our kids though now like on, on most places is really that they're thugs, they're terrorists. I know. This is the, this is the message that the media is putting out there about our youth. We don't highlight enough or expose enough of what our kids are doing. You know, some of the positive things and we don't really talk too much. Uh, the media primarily doesn't talk too much about some of the positive programs that are happening and, and actually hosting or talking about some of the outreach that a lot of organizations besides myself are doing. So that way we can That's actually true. get kids connect. You know, so when we hear these things, I can imagine being 14, 15, 16, 17 and such. And every time I turn on my TV or the radio or social media, I'm being labeled as a thug. I'm being labeled Mm -hmm. as, you know, like a lost generation. I'm being labeled as, you know, we just are misguided youth. I can't imagine what that does for a mindset of someone that's under 20 um, who hasn't fully developed all of their cognitive, you know, executive functioning skills yet. I'm just going to be a part of the problem now. I'm just going to be it. So if that's, if I don't hear it in my house, and then I, I hear negative things um, on social media and that left. And of course, I'm going to succumb to doing things that I'm not supposed to do because that's what people say I am anyway. And the justice system wants to mm-hmm. treat these right. children as adults. They, yeah. they, they don't have the cognitive abilities to make some of these decisions and they're following examples. Um, so do you think yeah. that um, the guy, Jason Lewis, is the one who was arrested finally for Ron's death? Do you think his arrest was justified? Listen, murder is murder. Uh, there's no way to really twist that. Right. And so I think the judicial system is going to do what it needs to do with looking at all of the circumstances of the case and then determine whether or not, you know, uh, 
how, how he should be charged. Um, I think that the community is suffering from a really big issue of trauma. I mean, we see all of the time on the news as well, another form of, you know, just kids, blaze guns blazing out. And we hear stories all the time under 25 children with guns. So there is a heightened sense of trauma in the community right now. And so I don't feel protected by the police. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Um, and so again, I think the judicial system has to play out, but murder is murder. There's consequences for your actions every day of the week. You know, So it's unfortunate. It's a really sad situation, but um, I just, I'd love to see how this is going to play out. Me too. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I think this is like vigilante justice. He's a 13-year-old kid. I mean, there, there's reports that he was just yelling, I'm just a kid, as he was dying, you know, um, wow. which is really sad. Um, what? So Jacqueline Robinson online says, I'm so glad you mentioned parenting because it seems to be the missing component that no one wants to talk about. When I saw this young man's mom during her press conference, it infuriated me. No 13-year-old should be declared the man of the household. I saw that too, and I commented uh, in Axe Fox Five. They couldn't <laughs> chop that thing up any better. Like we didn't want to do any B rolls and just like voiceovers. I was really like alarmed that they that role the way that they did. Yeah. But parenting has always, it's always been a sensitive topic. You know, whenever you're out and about, right, you see some kid doing something crazy, you would not dare tell, like, the parent, like, how to raise their child, right? right. I myself even get a little bit worked up sometimes when somebody says, oh, your your kid's shoes is on the wrong feet. And I'm like, mom's your business, right? So that's, like, almost like a... <laughs> and that's a, that, I said, that's a typical Black mom response. I ain't gonna lie. That yeah. might be a, That yeah. might be a... Every mom responds, but I don't know. I've seen the black mom. See, my my black mom used to respond like that. So. <laughs> well, right, but we have to find a place of love. You know, in the world right now, we're missing like love. Like tough love is a thing. You know, in the south, it's more common that everybody looks out for each other, and that you know, you you see someone's kid acting up, and it's like, oh, I'm gonna tell your mama, and no, Miss Johnson, mm-hmm. don't tell my mama. You know, <laughs> right, but up north. Primarily, you know, it's more or less, you know, we kind of get offended as a parent, especially, you know, in the African-American community. Don't tell me how to raise my kid, like, Mm -hmm. because that automatically makes me feel inferior. I'm already doing the best that I can, number one, as a single parent. So then by you reminding me that my kid's shoes is untied or they're on the wrong feet, it makes me feel a little insecure. And it makes Mm -hmm. me feel like I'm not doing something that I'm supposed to do. So then I'm going to be on the defense. Mm -hmm. And my only defense is to tell you to stay out my way and and mind your business. Mm -hmm. And I think we just have to do a better job of just understanding where people's intentions are coming from um, and how that lands, you know, in the community. So we got to do a little bit better. Since we're still on the topic of youth, you know, one of the things I was able to Google about you was your childhood. So can you tell a little bit about your childhood? Because you didn't have it easy by any yeah. stretch of the imagination. No, I didn't actually. So I'm, I'm blessed that I have a grandmother that really came to my aid, you know, when I needed her. Um, because I didn't, I didn't get a chance to live with my mom. I didn't get a chance to live with my dad. Um, and it wasn't until I roughly came about 15 or 16 that I really had a relationship with, with my mom and that hurt, you know, as a kid. And so I had to grow up being like the funny kid or I'm always overcompensating. You know, a lot of the times growing up, I read the dictionary. Um, so I tried to be the smartest person in the class because maybe that, that might make my mom want to come to a graduation ceremony. You know, I was second place in like a national spelling bee at one point. Maybe that would make her come out to an event like she said that she was going to, right? Or my dad, right? And so while I've mended those relationships and, you know, my father is a part of my nonprofit now and my mom and I, you know, we were definitely cordial and we talk and we've, you know, kind of healed. It doesn't erase the fact that it hurts not growing up with your mom and your dad, or you see other siblings living with your parents and you're like, well, I, I, Yes, I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was a little challenging. And then I moved around a little bit from the ages of roughly about 15, 16. Um, went to a couple of different high schools. I played basketball, but that was even difficult. Uh, in the ninth grade, uh, ninth, 10th grade year, I went to Suitland High School and I played basketball. And um, I actually was sexually assaulted in the locker room. Um, and, oh you know, response to my my grandfather's response after that happened was that I needed to go to school, you know, and so I was a very angry teenager, but oh no one understood goodness. that. I bet. At the time, it was yeah. just, when you get up, you need to go to school. It's like, I went 
something very traumatic. So how could you say that? You know, so I grew up not feeling understood in that moment and no one ever talked to me about it. No one ever said it. it's almost like it didn't happen. Right. And so uh, it was very challenging for me and I was very, very angry. So a lot of the way that I uh, manifest thing was just to play basketball. Um, a little snappy, you know, from time to time as a teenager and no one could understand it. It was just like, Oh, she's being rebellious or she's being disrespectful. And it was like, I'm just lashing out because no one ever had a conversation to tell me that these things are not supposed to happen. And no one ever made me really feel safe growing up. Um, so you've done, yeah, you had to work on those emotions on your own at that time and you didn't know how to process that. So that's why you came across aggressive or snappy. And and is that rebellious. what drove you to psychology? No, the military drove me to psychology. <laughs> um, you were in the military. The mili- yes, oh, wow. I was. I'm sorry. That wasn't Google. I could have said that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, CC. Yes, I was in the United States military. CC. They told me that that was what I was going to do. And then by the time I had been taking classes and everything anyway, and so I had no intention of doing psychology, none whatsoever, by the way, none. I I had imagined that I was going to just be rich. I don't know how I was going to get there, but I imagined I was going to play basketball and I was like going to get rich and all this. And it was just like a dream. But um, psychology was not intentional, Uh, not until maybe I got into my master's program. And I was like, oh, okay. And the military is like, oh, you're pretty decent at this, you know? And so I was like, oh, okay. I'm sure the military needs some good psychologists. They did. Ooh, they did. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Quick comment online. We're That's... running out of time. Von J says, you're so amazing. Made it out of the effing hood. Praise God <laughs> and lead the people. <laughs> and Mar- Mars Lit says, gifted 100%. Oh, I have to ask where, at what point did your anger pivot? What, where, what was the pivot point for you where that turned to compassion and love because you radiate it. And I know that this comes from your past experiences. Like you've honed yourself into something that you were not brought up in. So I I think that's just an amazing transformation. And I'm just curious, what was that pivot point for you? You know, actually, my grandmother, uh, who raised me primarily, she exhibited every everything that like love looks like, compassion. Oh, that's awesome. She like, I, and I couldn't really understand it. You know, until I got a little older, I started to appreciate a little a little bit more. And I always say, I just want I want to be like her. Like I want to be like that. Like she seemed so happy to be like compassionate and like caring and loving. Like, and she she's yeah. fulfilled. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's so unconditional. And I'm like, man, I, I aspire to be that way. And then when I would go to school, you know, you walk into school and you see these kids like your peers and like they're going into, you know, the same places you're going into. I remember going into 616 Morton Street. Okay, this is in Washington, D.C. It's the projects, so, so to speak. And you see like a guy that's like he peed, he peed on himself. In mm. the stairwell, mm. literally have to walk over him because he's he's like literally so high. He doesn't even know what's like going on. When you see something like wow. that, you see that when you're in school and then you see the guy still there or then he may be walking up, a, up and down the street just looking for money or looking for help or mm. if you will. So I was like, man, I always wanted to help him. Like, I remember this guy distinctively like I wanted to help him uh-huh. and I never wanted anybody to like like feel that pain or like feel left behind or be treated as like nothing and just ignored. And so a lot of that just came from those experiences, seeing that. And, and it just still invokes me to this day. It's just like, and I don't, I don't ever want anybody to feel like that. I don't ever want anybody to feel ignored and, you know, just living with that anger. And my grandmother told me that I, I could actually do anything that I wanted to do. Allie and Thorne on YouTube says mental health exclamation point. All right. Yes. So what are some um, so some final words? We're, we're out of time, unfortunately. But what do you want to tell the little black girls out there that maybe were once like you struggling to find their place in this world or those mothers that had huge dreams and find themselves still wanting and trying to achieve those goals? What What are some final thoughts that you might have? Yeah. You don't have to have a doctorate to change the world. Mm, I love um, that. Mm. 
Don't be compelled by titles. Um, don't be compelled by people telling you that, you know, you're too old or you're too young or you just can't. I'm just a living, walking example that you can. And it would be selfish of you to have a purpose or gift. And then you keep it to yourself because you're afraid that you actually are this negative thing. Like, you're ready. It's your time. So whoever that little girl is or whoever that, you know, mom is or whoever that person is, it's your time right now. It's something that's been like pushing you to the limit that you've been constantly circling around wanting to do. And you just constantly talked yourself out of it. And I just wanted to speak to that person today and say, go ahead and do it. Just like Nike. Yes. Um, you can change the world. We're waiting on you. We've been waiting on you. And so that would be the message today. I love that message. Love All it. Right. Unfortunately, again, we're out of time. So can you let everyone know where they can find you? Yes, please follow me um, on Instagram at Dr. D-O-C-T-O-R-R Thompson with a P. Um, you can also follow the Black Voice Project. We need followers. So at the Black Voice Project, DMV. Amazing project. Yes, it's love. We need volunteers. So please, you can donate as well if you just don't have the time to come out. www.theblackvoiceproject.com. If you're looking for some mental health services, we're lit over here at Arm Thompson & Co. So you can go to www.thompson.com. <laughs> yes, authentic spaces. Um, and you can also just, again, reach out to me at via email, info at rochellemthompson.com or Rochelle at theblackvoiceproject.com. I am around. Dr. Rochelle everywhere. Thank you so much. You are the epitome of Black excellence, and we really do appreciate you joining us. Thank you. I'm so honored. Thank you so much. Wow. What an amazing guest she was, huh? Inspiring. Very, very inspiring. Yeah. Let's go ahead and get into our hot topics. Truth, lies, shenanigans. All right, Robbie, China floated a weather balloon across the U.S. Tell us what happened. Uh, it's been a crazy week overheads, hasn't it? Um, <laughs> so, yes, earlier in the week, uh, U.S. Uh, defense officials identified a balloon high above sensitive areas. It was, in fact, a high-altitude surveillance device. But the object flew over Alaska through Canada before appearing over the city of Billings in Montana on Wednesday. Now, the reason why that's significant is because, well, you have nuclear missile silos in Montana. So significant. China's foreign ministry said that it was used for mainly meteorological purposes, a weather balloon, and that they regretted the unintended entry of the balloon into U.S. airspace and that it had been blown off course by unexpected winds. So the balloon was eventually shot down, but it took multiple (laughs) fighter jets and refueling aircraft in order to pop the balloon. It was an F-22 fighter jet that took the shot and they had to take it down with a missile. So do you believe that China's high altitude surveillance balloon is mainly meteorological or something more sinister? Well, we know it's bullet, but, you know, I don't understand why it took them so long to knock it down. It's so... (laughs) I saw it over a week ago in Alaska and knew it was coming. And then I guess oh, wow. apparently President Biden wasn't made aware until Tuesday when it was over Montana and everybody was making a big deal about it. As soon as I saw that thing, I would have tried to do something. It's over U.S. airspace. It needed to go. Yeah, but what if they would have like shot at it or did that without knowing, like just acting on impulse and it would have been like some nuclear. I'm exaggerating, but it yeah, could have been some ginormous. <laughs> explosion who knows my friend and i were actually just talking about seeing in the in news articles a possible war between the u.s and china in the making it's not far-fetched this is not hard to believe i believe that they definitely were spying on us oh there's no balloons are the oldest form of surveillance yeah oh yeah right johnny sending a message and as far as you know why didn't you do something right away these these balloons are incredible they're incredibly engineered devices mm-hmm. an f-22 has an operating altitude of around sixty-five thousand feet now the surveillance balloons typically fly eighty thousand to one hundred twenty thousand feet up in the atmosphere so dude you're not you can't even put a plane close to these things when they're operating properly wow so to shoot one down is an endeavor and Difficult. it's not like they sent up one plane to take it out They had multiple planes and refueling planes involved in the operation because 
it's so hard to get that one shot. When I looked into this, I found out that in 1998, Canada had its own rogue balloon problem. It was <laughs> um, the instruments didn't deploy, the backup systems didn't deploy. So the balloon was basically swept off the coast and found its way into the British airways. But what was crazy was two Canadian CF-18s were deployed and they managed to put over a thousand rounds into this weather balloon and it didn't come wow. down because Johnny, these balloons, are, they can be up to 40 million cubic feet in size. So that's huge. up to 195 Goodyear blimps. They're huge. So they're, they're gigantic. Lies. You know, to think that you're going to put a couple of bullet holes in it and that what? it's going to float down is ridiculous. It's like opening a small window and saying, we're going to air out this warehouse. Well, going to take some time, son. These machines are massive. So to shoot one down is an endeavor. And it wasn't cheap to take that balloon down. Huh? You spend maybe, the expense. Maybe. I mean, you just can't, you can't afford, you can't afford spying. I'm sorry. Yeah. And they didn't want to take it down over Montana for fear of the debris. Montana's like the best place to take it down. There's like nothing (laughs) there. (laughs) I mean, outside of the ocean where they finally took it down off the coast of North Carolina or something. (laughs) No, but I think that is interesting. In the article, one of the China experts mentioned that they have other means to spy out American infrastructure or whatever information they wanted to no. obtain, the balloon was to send a signal to the Americans and also to see how the Americans would react. I thought that last part was interesting because I think a lot of people would be panicking, fearful. And you this random UFO China, from China. And China measures time very differently in terms of their expansion as an empire. They measure things in hundreds of years. If you ask them oh, yeah. about the French Renaissance, if they, you ask them, well, we're, they're still waiting for it to play out. What? So, you know, they're, oh yeah, dude, like they, they are <laughs> testing the waters and they don't care about the short game within their lifetimes. It's about China as an empire, the long mm. game. So testing it the waters, the engaging long, response. Yeah, they are long Absolutely. Game. Having the ability to spy on us Something they via would satellites, do. via TikTok. Technology, I was going to say, via, they got TikTok. Why don't they, I mean, they're spying on us every day. <laughs> You know, when yeah. you say, matter of fact, That's they terrifying. I don't know if you've heard of this thing called Be Real. It's a it's an app where uh, you take a photo of yourself right wherever you are at the time that you're there, right? And you could you have your friends and oh, family, okay. and everybody's supposed to take it around the same time of day, and so then you'll see where everybody is at the same time of day. Well, TikTok added this now TikTok now where you basically do the same thing. It tells you a time of day to take a picture. And everybody takes a picture of wherever they are. So you take, take a picture from the front of what you're seeing and then take a selfie, basically. And so TikTok now, so they're seeing everything going on everywhere. You piece it together. You get a good AI, piece that together. You're seeing uh, everything going on. Man, makes Google Street View look like a yes, chump. Exactly. Point. Exactly. Because it's real time. Hey, do this challenge every day. Every click, day. Click, click. Mm-hmm. Click, and you're just taking pictures of your surroundings and yourself. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Oh, All right. A bunch of comments online. That's dirty. <laughs> it is. We're giving uh, them the content. Here we are. We're giving it to them. Jack and Rob says, you have to calculate <laughs> it so that residents aren't harmed from the debris. Alan Carrere says, my biggest concern is why it took so long to hit mainstream media. Should that not have been yeah. a big deal right off the bat? People report Chinese lanterns on an hourly basis. So how did this yeah, but <laughs> get during, so far? But, but during 45's administration, there were at least three <laughs> incidents like this that went completely off the radar. And he denies so it. I'm glad that we're say talking. He denies it, but he lies. So. He denies and he claims a lot of things. They all so, deny you know, it. It is what it is. <laughs> they all lie. Yeah. Kevin Thaxon, it's the damned if you do scenario. Now China has an idea of our actions in that location of the atmosphere. If there's no maneuver device, it's hard to control. All right. Is this truth, lies, or shenanigans? shenanigans. It might be all three. Oh, no. That's some shenanigans. (laughs) That's some shenanigans. Shenanigans going on. Shenanigans. They got some shenanigans going on up in there. Shenanigans. (laughs) There's something going on with them. (laughs) China's getting some stuff, man. And they've gauged the response. That's all valuable nah. information. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's get to our next one. Truth, lies, shenanigans. Gianni, you want to tell us all about what social credit is? What is social credit? 
Yes, a little bit more of China. So China has implemented a social credit system. What is that? Well, China citizens with high social scores get special privileges, while those with low scores risk less access to just about everything. You're saying they're ranking people? Yes, literally. Oh, wow. Yes, they're ranking people. And some people that are following the rules, so to speak, will have higher access to things or privileges to certain things. And people that don't, and it's kind of silly things, not saying jaywalking is silly, but it's something that could be smaller than jaywalking Mm -hmm. and they would like lose access or get a lower score. Oh, wow. So lose access to like, I I was reading like internet and stuff. Exactly. And my question to you guys, do you think the U.S. will copy China with a social credit system? And how would you feel about that? Well, how would I feel about it? As a Canadian, I would feel scared if if the U.S. implemented it because your bad ideas (laughs) generally become our bad ideas uh, a few years down the road. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be a fan of it. You know, with the little bit of research that I was doing, you know, they're essentially trying to say that there needs to be a higher level of trust in society. And to nurture that trust that the government is fighting corruption, uh, telecom scams, tax evasion, they're, they're attacking unwanted behavior in society. It's problematic. And it made me think of a Black Mirror episode where people are being ranked that way. But I was relieved to find that China really doesn't have a central algorithm to measure credit worthiness at this point. Pretty low tech where you've got um, information gatherers who walk around villages and they write down the residents' good deeds. While I recognize that, That's you know, what well, we do enter into a social contract, into a social contract, society provides a lot of amenities for us, a lot of good things for us. The social contract that's expected on the other side, there's not a lot expected of us. Just follow the basic rules. Mm-hmm. But this is just an extension of the caste system that has existed in, in China, China for for, mm-hmm. for millennia, right? Yeah. For hundreds of years. There's always been a caste system. You have the elites, you have the laborers, mm-hmm. you have the military, you have yeah. the administrators. Everyone is compartmentalized. So this is just another way to modernize that idea, in my opinion. And it's another way for those who have to garner more because anyone who might be on the up, well, we can keep your social standing down. We can remove opportunities from you. Like Neil was saying, you know, the internet, uh, even if it's low yield uh, bank loans, if I jaywalk, you know, I'm a douchebag for doing it, but I don't know that it should affect my ability to borrow money from organizations in my country. That's problematic. So your question, Gianni, I mean, as to whether or not it'll happen here, we're basically already doing it, to be honest with you. The difference is it's established and enforced by like private companies instead of the government, you know, because you got Yelp, you got Google ratings for businesses. And then for us, for like regular people, it's followers. You know, they're all like indicators of like our social credit worthiness or how worthy we are in like places like New York insurance companies can actually rate you based on your social media now. So they can actually look at your social media and give you like a rating for insurance. So it's already happening here in the U.S. I think, yeah, I think the only problem I have with it is that it's the government that's deciding what's socially acceptable, right? And so there's more definite punishments, you know, whereas in our system, I mean, what's the ultimate punishment? We get canceled, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's the It's not a public caning in jail. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Well, we're not going to lose our internet because, you know, I I did something, you know, I I could keep my internet. I just, nobody (laughs) will care about me in in the social world, right? (laughs) You know, and then then on top of that, like in our world, you know, I know we're out of time, but if we find that we're socially unacceptable in the way we do it, then we can find smaller groups or niches of people that find us socially acceptable. We don't have to have a pun. I mean, matter of fact, shoot, it's not even a punishment. It's, it's a reward because now I don't have to deal with the, the asses and, <laughs> and the idiots out there. Now I just, I can deal with the people I like. So, But like Johnny was saying, it could be individuals or groups. So if you do find yourself part of a fringe, fringe group that identifies, that has that a label be, on it. Mm-hmm. So that label will then be disenfranchised will be disadvantaged sure. where the rest of society is. So no, you don't want, yes, there's, you know, I'm okay of being ostracized to a group if, if that's what I need to be, because I don't care about nobody else. <laughs> Neo. <laughs> if, I, if you're going to call me a nerd and, and, and put me in a nerd group, I'll take it. 
I'll own the be. I'll own nerd. <laughs> I'm happy nerd to be category. a nerd. All right. Is this truth? Truth lies, lies shenanigans. Well, it's about to be our truth, America. So here we go. Yeah, truth. I'm with you on truth. I'll give you truth. It's truth. Yeah, yeah we, we. It's all true stuff. I mean, we're, it's happening here. It's happening there. It's happening all over. Some comments online, real quick. Jacqueline Robinson. Operative words are: if the Communist huh. Party. <laughs> dot dot dot. Yeah, Kevin Thaxon says that's Santa. <laughs> well, an analog version. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Elaine Carrera says, good point. We, we're already victims of this, and we've been since social media was introduced. Kind of just mm-hmm. took it one step further and made, it, made everyone aware of it. Right. We're really, really short on time. So I'm gonna, we're going to go ahead and get this last topic in, but we're going to make it a really short, quick fire. So just quick comments, guys. So, Florida, Ron DeSatan, Satan's, Ron DeSatan's, is I'm, am I saying that right? Ron DeSatan? I believe that's correct. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's correct. correct. That's Ron DeSatan. Okay. Ron DeSatan's <laughs> De state. Uh, he decided that the government telling people to wear masks to save lives is a violation of people's rights, but that the government having teen girls report their menstrual cycle, their menstrual cycle history, is all good. Oh, God. Yep. So, Florida state government, the same one that wants to ban teaching AP black history in schools, also wants to have teen girls report their menstrual history to prove that they're actually girls. <laughs> and this is because DeSantis, the, the Satan, does not want transgender girls competing in girls' sports. So, let's start with Gianni. She's the only woman today. <laughs> Are you okay with having to report to the government when you have your periods? You down for that? No. If you asked me these set of questions on a bad day, I'd probably knock you out. Like, to be so, honest. Well, when you have your period, what? Is it's a bad day. Is that what you're, oh, saying? Exactly. Is that what you're trying to say? Hey, look, I gotta, Quite I gotta literally. be explicit. She's, she's trying to, she's trying to be implicit. I'm gonna be explicit for her. It's gonna turn away. <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, I'm not shocked, but I do feel like I'm finally glad that parents are speaking out. Like, Mm -hmm. if it's just about the transgenders, there's a different way to kind of like weed that out if that's what their motive is. But no, it's highly offensive. Another motive, another agenda to get into women's bodies in the United States. Another way to control us. Yep, absolutely. It's just a it's it's a thinly veiled policy for the Florida High School Athletics Association to monitor girls for pregnancy, abortion, or like you said, trying to weed out transgender girls. When I heard about this, it's it's dystopian. It's intrusive. It opens Pandora's box yet again on women's rights. Um, Weird. And is it? A HIPAA violation? It, it makes no sense. And what it's I know of teenage girls is that, you know, their menstrual cycles are developing. They're not regular. What are they going to do with that information? It's it's witch hunty. It's it's scary. Yeah, it yeah. is scary. Just to be clear, this is this is a proposal, not a requirement yet, and it's not specifically proposed by the Satan. But I would say it was definitely inspired by him and his views. I'll admit, I'm one of those people that's on the fence about transgender people competing in gender-specific sports. But with that said, I hate it when people try to solve one problem by creating another problem, like invading on other people's rights. So I'm not feeling this at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, A few comments online. We got uh, Kevin Thaxon. Can we deport Florida? (laughs) (laughs) Not north. Not north. Dr. Rochelle Thompson. Dr. Rochelle Thompson's still on. She says... He says, Ron is weird. Ron to Satan, laugh out loud. <laughs> um, yes, Reaper vibes. Jacqueline Robinson, this is a slippery slope. It's only a matter of time before the Satan and other, <laughs> she said to Satan as well, and other men of his <laughs> ilk <laughs> will use this information to determine when girls and women are fertile so they can be forced to give birth. It's disgusting. Right? You're right. It's, it's like one step closer to Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. One step closer. Really, yeah. really, Absolutely. that bothers me. In my Uh-oh. soul. That's gross. And Kevin Thaxton responded, birth, dirth. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. Uh, we're out of time on this one. Is this truth? Lies, shenanigans. Florida. Uh, I'm done with Florida. Uh, Florida has got to go. You know, I actually have to go down to Florida like next month. And I, I'm not I'm not even interested in shenanigans. Truly want to go. Shenanigans. Uh, Ade Boyega says, disgusting to Satan. It's not surprising at, at all. Offensive for sure, but not surprising. Florida. 
Jose says, yeah. blown away. What an invasion. All right. Wow. Great, great discussions. So let's go ahead and jump into our game. I always jump with the pow. When I do music. <laughs> Love it. Like, yeah, All right. let's do it. Every February, we have Black History Month trivia. So real simple. We'll go around the horn. Um, I'm going to play along right. with you guys. All right. Okay. All right. So get a point for correct answers and uh, you get nothing for wrong answers. First with the most points gets the final thought for the show. And I believe Robbie is our reigning champ. Oh, wow. Robbie won last <laughs> He did. This year I'm going to win. So well, I didn't play last year, so we're going to see how this goes. All right. Bring it, Johnny. Bring it. All right. All right. We're starting with Gianni Storm. Who was the first African-American senator of the United States? Was it Hiram Revels, Thurgood Marshall, Joseph Rainey, or Frederick Douglass? Ooh, Douglass. Frederick Douglass? I already know that is incorrect. <laughs> okay, I have a shaky start, but I got us, guys. We're going to have to work on your black history. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the, the answer is Hiram Revels. Former minister of the African Methodist Episcopal Church, Hiram Revels, was the first African-American elected to the United States Senate in 1870. He represented the state of Mississippi and was elected as a replacement for Democrat Albert Brown, who vacated when Confederate Mississippi left the Union in 1861. All right, Robbie, you are up next. At which famous New York club did young Lena Horn get her start? Was it A, the Cotton Club? B, Minton's Playhouse, C, Cafe Society, or D, the Apollo Theater? Cotton Club. That would have been my guess. Let's see what you got. That is incorrect. incorrect. All right. They named something that. The The answer is C, Cafe Society. Really wrong answer. Actress and singer Lena Horne got her start at the famous Cafe Society in Greenwich Village, New York. She gained fame and toured the country as a jazz singer before moving to Hollywood to star in films and become a variety staple. At the March on Washington in 1963, Horne was extremely active in the civil rights movement. She volunteered with NAACP, SNCC, and the National Council of Negro Women. All right, this is me. Which team was the first professional African-American baseball team? The Birmingham Black Barons, the New York Cuban Giants, the Detroit Stars, or the Kansas City Monarchs? Wow. I believe it's either the Detroit Stars or the Kansas City Monarchs. I don't know for sure. Um, I'm going with Detroit Stars. Incorrect. What? First African-American baseball team was the New York Cuban Giants. Wrong answer. Dang. In 1885, the New York Cuban Giants became the first African-American professional baseball team. However, the organized league structure was not established until 1920 under guidance of Rube Foster. He and other (laughs) Midwestern team owners joined a coalition that they titled the Negro National League. All right. We're all doing poorly in this one. We sure are. (laughs) These are tough questions, though. I shoot. (laughs) All right, this is, yeah, by the I'm way... Glad, I'm glad you skimmed the first two, Neo. Wow. <laughs> by the way, the na- this is provided by the National Archives Foundation. All right, last round. Which famous jazz band leader pictured here was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom on his 70th birthday? Was it Count Basie? This is for Yanni. Count Basie, King Oliver, Benny Goodman, or Duke okay. Ellington? This is uh, his 70th Benny birthday. Benny Goodman. You're going with Benny Goodman. Let's see. That is incorrect. Yes. <laughs> Duke Ellington. I would have picked Duke Ellington in this one. Duke, All right. Yeah. Uh, DC native Duke Ellington was awarded civilians highest honor on April 29th by President Nixon on Ellington's 70th birthday. Wow. His composition and performance yeah. skills allowed him to create innumerable hit songs throughout the Harlem Renaissance and beyond. All right, Robbie, this is your chance. How did it? Let's right. see. You get one. Get one right, you might win the whole thing. Right, I just need one. I just need one. <laughs> All right. Who was the first African-American actress to win an Academy Award? Was it Hattie McDaniels, uh, Ethel Waters, Lena Horne, or Dorothy Dandridge? I'm pretty sure that's Hattie. Damn it. <laughs> I believe you're correct. We will find out shortly. That is correct, Robbie. <laughs> 
What? In 1939, Hattie McDaniel was the first African-American actress to win a Academy Award. It was the first time Thank a you. black woman oh was God. nominated, and she won Best Supporting Actress for a role as Mammy in Gone with the Wind. Thank you, wow. Micah, for bringing up that, those factoids every time he joins us. <laughs> oh, man, you got an easy one. All right. Oh, I think I know this one. Okay. I don't know this one. Darn it. All right. Who was the first African-American astronaut? Was it Dory Miller? This is for me. May Carol Jemison, General Roscoe Robinson Jr., or Colonel Guion S. Bluford Jr.? Who is it? Actually, I think it's not May Carol Jemison. I was going to say May Carol Jemison. I think she's the first black woman. So I think it's, I'm going with Bluford, but I don't know. So we're going to see. Bluford. I think Jemison was the first black woman. Let's see. Bluford. That is correct. Yes. Yes. All right. All right. After flying combat missions during the Vietnam War, Colonel Guion Bluford became America's first black astronaut in 1979. He made four missions with NASA and logged over 688 hours in space. All right. I knew Jemison was the first black woman, but. I'm still in the game. Uh, Jacqueline, no, you were not. But Jacqueline Robinson says she wasn't allowed to sit (laughs) with the rest of the cast on Oscar night. That was Patty McDaniel. All right. Mm. This is between me and Robbie. Robbie, we're just going to take this last one and we're going to answer right, it and man. see who gets the right answer. Who was the first female self-made millionaire in the United States? Was it Diana Ross, Madam C.J. Walker, Annie Malone, or Dorothy Height? I should have got answer. this one. I'll let you answer first. Yeah. Annie Malone. Annie Malone. And my answer is Madam C.J. Walker. Madam C.J. Walker. <laughs> And I think that is the right answer. Yes. yes. <laughs> Madam C.J. Walker, through the success of her hair and beauty products, Madam C.J. Walker became the first yes. female self-made millionaire in the United States. She invented a line of hair products for African-American women. And by the early 1910s, she established herself as a major philanthropist and figure in Harlem's social political culture. Yay! don't get to play that often so i don't get to win that often so uh, i know <laughs> let's get some shout outs in. Yeah. all right johnny shout out um shout out to my little sister janaya if you're watching she's 16 and just got a job at dunkin donuts so congratulations <laughs> congratulations <laughs> dunkin donuts right huh? Hey man, Robbie Stone. Robbie. Oh, my shout out is to all of food producers, to all of the moms and dads, the surrogate parents, the caregivers who prepare and provide healthy meals for their children and loved ones. Thank you for every delicious meal that has helped sustain me. Thank you. Love that. My shout out. I'm shouting out the show Ghosts. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It is hilarious. I started watching it this week. It is funny, funny, funny as hell. And it looks like our guest has stuck around with us. So I'm going to give her mm-hmm. a shout out as well. Dr. Rochelle Thompson, welcome back. Sorry, I was anybody, so like into it. Got anybody you want to shout out? A shout out to my grandma. Mama, I love you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you for sticking around, Dr. Thompson. All right. That is officially all the time we have for today's show. I'd like to thank you all for joining (laughs) us. We hope you learned something, gained a new perspective, or simply had some laughs with us. We will not be recording live next week. Uh, We simply can't compete with the Super Bowl. (laughs) So (laughs) we're doing a TLS replay of our most listened to Black History Spotlight which was with the youngest member of the Little Rock Nine, Carlotta Walls Lanier. All of our new episodes and replays are available Tuesdays on Pods Network, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And you can always check out our video clips, subscribe to YouTube using TLSshow.com. And the winner for our final thought for the show today is amazingly me. All right, it's Black History Month, and we have conservatives in our country fighting to eliminate Black history from the pages of American history because they don't want to deal with white guilt. Just know that Black history is in no way about white guilt, it's about Black pride. 
or a group of people where that sense of pride has been systematically stripped away for centuries. Black history is about learning from the past, about doing better instead of ignoring it and continuing more of the same hate. Just know we're all beautiful people, regardless of the amount of melanin in your skin or lack of melanin even. And to put it in perspective, all this hate for melanin, melanin is just a fantastic evolutionary trait to protect humans from the sun. And honestly, with global warming, as much as I get sunburned, when I go to the beach, I wish I had some more. So love yourself, people. <laughs> love each other. Love each other. And thank you, Robbie Rock. Thank you, Gianni. Thank you, Dr. Rochelle Thompson, for joining us. We appreciate you. But most importantly, we need to thank you for listening to our shenanigans each and every week. We'll see you next time.